I want to encourage you to do that with us. Amen? Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to open to Matthew chapter 6. And today I want to, I want to speak to you a message called When You Pray. Matthew chapter 6, this is a message called When You Pray. And uh, I have to uh, sort of apologize because this is definitely going to be one of those messages uh, that is more of a heartfelt plea um, from, from your pastor, uh, more than just, uh, you know, me giving you uh, uh, theological terms or, you know, Greek definitions. I believe the heart of God is behind this, this message. It is imperative that if you can come to prayer this week, you come. We're going to meet every single night at 6. We're going to worship and we're going to pray. And our theme is actually based upon Matthew chapter 6. And you're going to hear about that right now. I believe there is a call to the church of the last days to live by the grace of God a biblical lifestyle that demonstrates the fullness of the kingdom of God. I believe that there, there is a call. It is a last hour call. How many of you know that we're living in the last days? Maybe, maybe you don't know that, but uh, I'm just going to let you know that Peter announced 2,000 years ago that we are living in the last days. But we are in the last of the last days where God is wrapping this thing up, where many people will be one to Christ, Will the church will hear a trumpet sound. And with a shout, the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which will remain, we will be caught up in the Lord, in the air to meet the Lord. This, I'm telling you, we are wrapping this thing up, and we need to get ready for what God is doing in the earth. And it will be an hour where the true church embraces a lifestyle that God that, that God laid out so clearly in Scripture through His Son. It comes only by grace. So you need to hear me from the very beginning. This comes by the grace of God. There is literally an empowerment from heaven to live how God has called you to live. And how do you receive it? By faith. You receive it the same way you receive salvation, by grace. They say, it's God, it's by your grace that I'm going to do these things. But it's by your grace that I'm going to live this lifestyle. It's by your grace that I'm going to preach, that I'm going to reach, that my office is going to get saved, that my horrible boss is going to turn into a wonderful boss because he meets you, Jesus. Or she meets you. Amen. Some of y'all will be like, whoa, I'll really witness to her. All right. Or him. Listen. There are benefits. I'm going to say this from the very beginning. There are benefits of applying these truths that have been declared by Christ himself. Now, many of you will probably be really familiar with this. It's one chapter. Uh, it's next to the chapter I told you to turn to. It's actually in Matthew chapter 7. Now, this talks about the benefits. So before we actually get to the practicals of what God is calling us to, we need to understand that there's a real benefit. Matthew chapter 7, 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. I want to say this to you. Rains are coming. Floods are coming. Winds are coming. And we need our lives to be founded on the rock. Well, who is the rock? The rock is Christ. But he says the wise person does these things that I'm teaching you. And you will not succumb to the pressure of the last hour if you're living this. And if you continue to read, you actually find out that those who are not doing them actually do. And that the the crashing of their lives and house, it's great. I find it, uh, I find it very strange that one of the largest hurricanes actually comes you know, on ground at an hour where, where I feel like God is saying, listen, the rains are coming, the winds are coming, uh, the floods are coming, but do what I'm telling you to do and you'll stand. I pray for Texas. I pray those people recover. I pray the grace of God uh, uh, upon them. And I believe the church is going to shine in this hour in Texas in the relief that they're bringing. I believe that believers shouldn't run uh, from those moments. We ought to run to those moments because in darkness, the church needs to be shining bright. But if you want to know how to stand when the onslaught of hell is coming against you from culture, on your job, around you from every direction there is a way to make it and that is to give yourself fully to what Christ taught now the precursor to this verse is very important because we find out what the truths really are and today we're going to specifically dial in on one of them called when you pray Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 says this and when you pray You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. I love this passage, and we're going we're gonna to dive deep into it. But it comes from a, 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 a sermon Probably uh, 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 theologians call it the best sermon ever preached because Jesus preached it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount lays out blessings and it lays out a lifestyle of doing what the Lord has called us to do. It describes a believer's lifestyle and our motivation And Jesus, through this sermon, gives us keys to unlocking heaven's rewards for a lifestyle of faithfulness. Now, there are three powerful when you statements from this sermon. And and, and Jesus makes these statements which are presumed. 
They are presumed to be a regular practice in the believer's life. There is a presumption on the part of Christ that this will be taking place. First one is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. It says, when you give, or uh, you, you, you might say this, when you do a charitable deed, depends on the translation. And so there is an understanding that believers will give. He confronts how the Pharisees are giving. He confronts the, the wrong motivation. He, he then goes on to say, hey, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He says, do not do this to be seen of men. You are not trying to, to further your own reputation. You are trying to further the influence of the kingdom of God. And believe me, our names add nothing to his name. That's a good word right there. Our names add nothing to his name. But he takes his name and puts it on our names. And writes those names in this book called the Lamb's Book of Life. Woo, man, that's good stuff. Our name adds nothing to his name. So you need to just say, God, I'm going to do things that you have called me to do, like this first one, giving. Not because I'm trying to make a name for myself. Some people want to give a big gift, and then they want their name on the building. That's just not in the Bible. Don't do that. When God tells you to give, it's because he wants to reward you openly, but he doesn't want to do it by putting your name on the building above his. That's not, that's, that's not even this sermon. The next thing which we're going to talk about today is when you pray. There is a, pres a presumption by Jesus that believers will pray. And this area is under great assault, which is why I, I'm, I'm going to be speaking on it today. And in the middle of this whole teaching on prayer, uh, Jesus uh, gives one of the most profound teachings on forgiveness and how it is, it is very, very important. So important. He says, uh, that when you forgive, you'll be forgiven. So if there's anybody in here, you're holding anything against anyone, there is a grace to forgive. And I believe that you find it in the place of prayer. That again is another message. And then the last one, the last presumed behavior is this. Jesus says this one, when you fast. I wish it was just one different word, if. If. It doesn't say if. It says when. That means that it would be a regular part of your Christian lifestyle in equal significance to giving and prayer. 
I need Pastor Carl's shoes from last week because I'm going to just step on my <laughs> step on my toes. You know, <laughs> I need those shoes back because I, you know, while while the Lord has has grown me in this grace, I have a lot of area to grow in in, in this area. But here's here's what I want I want you to say: You have an opportunity to partner with the people of Calvary this week and say, God, we're going to seek you in prayer and fasting. And it's very important that we learn this discipline of fast, fasting, because Jesus said that all of these are necessary in order for your house to stand in the last days. And we sometimes Look up at heaven and say, why is my life falling apart, God? And he was like, did you, did you ever hear that real famous sermon? It's when you give. It's when you pray. And it's when you fast. And I be believe me, I'm not heaping condemnation on anyone. I know this is heaven's invitation to a deeper place, to a greater place of liberty and a greater place of freedom. And there are rewards promised for every single one of these. If you read it all, you'll see it, that the Father rewards these behavior. But today we're going to focus on when you pray. When you pray, I'm going to give you two rewards. There are many. The greatest, uh, I, I think the greatest reward uh, probably uh, of, of prayer is, is the fact that they get answered. You, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It is impossible for a believer to pray and nothing to happen. I'm just going to let that settle in on you for a moment because some of you prayed and you felt like nothing happened. Did you pray again? Or did you just think of Jesus kind of like a microwave? Just quick prayer in. I'm supposed to get it back. Did you apply ask, seek, and knock, and ask, and keep on asking, and seek, and keep on seeking, and knock, and keep on knocking? I, 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 I want to tell you the greatest thing. God says, your joy will be full when you pray something according to my will, and it's done for you. He says, you're going to have great joy. There's great joy connected to prayer. And there's so much depression in the church and so much anxiety in the church. And, and we wonder why. And God's just saying, hey, all along be anxious for nothing but in everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. We wonder why these things are rampant. It's probably because we just haven't been obeying the simple instruction found in Matthew chapter six of when you pray. The first reward though that I want to talk about today is very simply this. When you pray, you receive the reward of encounter. The reward of encounter. Verse six says, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Here is the formula for a guaranteed encounter with God. Go in to your room and shut the door. God is in there. 
I'm going to say it to you this way. He's waiting for us there. He is waiting for us in that place of intimacy. And some people say, I feel so far from God. And you just try to keep yourself busy and busy and busy and busy. And the truth is, is God saying, if you'll just come shut the door and not do something to be seen by men or to say, wow, I've, I've got such a great ministry or I've got such a great church or I've got such a great anointing. Go into your room and shut the door and meet with God. It's the way of guaranteed encounter. The reward is I get him. God declared to Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. You get the reward of an encounter. Our greatest need in this hour is a people who have a regular encounter with the Lord. We need people who are regularly encountering God. Have you noticed what is going on on this planet? He wasn't in the pulpit this last Sunday. But with what went down in Charlottesville and people spewing hate in the streets and racism on the rise. and I, I, I just have to say, listen, that is a manifestation of the devil. And it is the wickedness of men's heart. And, 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 the, and the violence that, that follows comes out of an overflow of saying, I am right, therefore it excuses all this nonsense. I'm just going to tell you straight up, racism is birthed in hell. It is birthed in hell. My Bible says that God made us all from one man and one woman. Out of every nation, we came from one man and one woman. Why? So that we could seek after God. The, the scripture says, grope after him and find him even though he is not far from us. We are all from one man and one woman and God has called us to stand together. This Time doesn't need great political arguments. We need people who have encountered God. We need people who have had a regular encounter with the God of heaven. You know, when, when, the, when the, 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 the educated Jews came in uh, on the day of Pentecost, they, they looked at the disciples and it says that they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That there was something that says, listen, whatever's on you, it didn't come from you. It came from the one that you've been around. And I wonder if God doesn't want to shift atmospheres in restaurants just because you walked in from being with him in the secret place. If God doesn't want to put something on you that comes out in the job site. I remember this one time uh, several years ago from 2010 to 2013. I was an assistant coach with Citrus High School on the volleyball team. And uh, I, I and, uh, you know, the, the coaches, they, they knew I was a, a youth pastor and a preacher. And so, um, you know, uh, the, the coach would look at me from time to time and just say this, um, do, do what you do. <laughs> now, 
what she meant was uh, uh, inspire, direct. She wasn't telling me to preach. She was asking me to unify the team because it was, you know, 12 or 15 girls. Which is right in the Bible, unifying 15 girls right behind raising the dead. And um, so, um, and so <laughs> I begin to talk about what happens when a, when, a, when a team stands in unity. And I just begin to talk to them about what it means for people to lay down themselves for their teammates. And I'm, I'm just going at them with principles from God's word. And I will never forget this. The captain of the squad that year, who was not a believer, who was not a believer, all I'm doing is talking about principles from God's word, not even preaching Jesus. And the captain of the squad, at the end of this moment, she looks around at her team. She says, she says, whoa, she's got goosebumps all over her arms. She's like, oh, I feel Jesus. <laughs> and I looked at coach, I said, coach, that's not my fault. That is not my fault. I said, I said, I was talking about volleyball. That Jesus stuff just oozes out of me. It just comes out of me. I said, so if they're experiencing Jesus, it's because he loves them. But you know what? That volleyball team, they needed somebody who had been with God. So that three years later on the third year, the team wouldn't take the court like other teams. That three years later, that team would not go in between those lines until they had gathered and prayed. And that year, we won the district championship. I was like, "Woo, God of miracles. Amen. I want to say this. Bob Sorge echoed these words in the, his book, Secret of the Secret Place. He says, nothing is more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness than a man or a woman who has found the unceasing wellspring of heaven's life in the secret place. There is a wellspring of heaven's life available to us in the secret place with God. Do you remember the moment when Jesus was transfigured on the mount? He goes up the mountain. He takes Peter, James, and John. And the glory that's on the inside of Jesus actually comes out of Jesus. He's standing there. He is literally glowing like the sun. Moses and Elijah shows up. And, and Peter just starts to talk. He's like, oh, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three temples right here. And then God shows up in a cloud. They all fall down. And, and then, they, you know, Peter looks up and it's only Jesus standing there. He's just having this glorious, glorious moment. But down on the mountain, there was some trouble. At the base of the mountain, there was some trouble. There was this young boy who was demon-possessed and the disciples who had had great success, great success casting out demons, were having some issues in Matthew chapter 7, verse 19, it says this, and then the disciples came to Jesus privately and says, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said, it is because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as the mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here uh, to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. 
And there are some manuscripts that say it says only prayer. But uh, uh, there are some manuscripts that say prayer and fasting. Let me, let me just say this to you. He says, what Jesus was saying is that there are some situations in life that will not move unless you have encountered the God of heaven in a personal, daily way. These disciples were committed to God and they could not do what they were called to do. Jesus had already told them, go, cast out devils. This one they couldn't move. Evidently, there's a this kind and a that kind. That kind, you can move with, you know, a limited prayer life. This kind, you couldn't. If the church will live in devotion to God in the secret place and live out of encounter, our faith will grow as it is attached to God's word because you always take God's word into the secret place and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But listen, the word of God is actually supposed to lead you to the God of the Bible. So you are, having, uh, you are having the word of God be reinforced by the person of God. And when the person of God reinforces the word of God, mountains move. But where do you encounter that? It is in the place of prayer. It's when you pray. There are some things that won't move unless we have grown faith by being in the secret place with the Father. We need to have encounters with God beyond the day that we were saved. Have you ever talked to that person? I was saved on December 15th, 1971. What happened since? Not much. You're actually called to have an encounter beyond your salvation experience. I love that you had a salvation experience, but listen, that's not the end. That's the beginning. That's the beginning for all of us. We're, we're then called into this kingdom life. Notice when Saul, who would become the apostle Paul, had his, where, where he went after his conversion encounter. He, he, of course, he has this encounter with Jesus. He's converted and now he's blind. And, and, uh, it, the scripture says in, in Acts, he says, Saul got up from the ground and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind. Notice what he did. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. Notice what his conversion led to. The secret place. It led him to the secret place. And by the way, in the secret place, it goes on to say, he's had a vision and he knows your name. Woo, that's an awesome secret place. I, I tell you, if you have an encounter with God, you can expect God to talk to you in that place. You may feel like, God, I'm blind, but I know something is coming that's good. 
God, I, I feel like I've had this encounter with you. Salvation is supposed to lead to the secret place. I want to get you into that. Salvation is supposed to lead to the secret place. An encounter with God. And that encounter is a reward. God is waiting to meet with us in the secret place. I love this word secret because it goes along with what Pastor Carl shared. This word, um, it, it actually very simply means hidden. A hidden place. Hello, hide and seek. When I read it, when I started to study that out, I was like, oh, there it is. You, Father, hiding in plain sight in the secret place. And you want us to seek you out. The second reward for when you pray that I'm going to share about today is you receive the reward of intimacy. You receive the reward of intimacy with God. Verse 8, it's so amazing. It says, don't be like the heathen. For, listen to these words. They don't sound like much to you because you've been reading them for a long time, but these were brand new words to the Jewish hearers of this sermon. For your father knows. Before this moment, God is not referred to as father. This is where Jesus is, is, is interjecting the idea that you in the place of prayer are going to have an intimate relationship with God like a father does with a son or a daughter. It's intimacy. I believe that it's in this place of prayer that your relationship goes from servant to son. It's amazing to serve God. But people serve God all the time apart from relationship. God doesn't want you to operate like a servant. He does want you to be a servant in the kingdom. That's our attitude, not our position. Our position is, our, is I'm a son, and I can call you father. That's why when you look at Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Why? It's because when you get intimate with God, you start knowing him as father, and fathers meet their children's needs. You get intimate with God, it's like, oh God, I know your heart. I feel your heart. This last Monday, as we were gathering for uh, a time of staff prayer, which we do uh, every day that we're to hear Monday through Thursday, I was walking over um, on the side of the building, and I began to hear the Lord say, I want you to go and read John chapter 19 again. And John chapter 19 is all about the story of the cross. And I, I, I just begin to read it and read it slowly and pour over this, the story of how Jesus gave himself fully to the cross. And as I'm reading it, uh, we get to the place where Jesus is actually hanging on the cross. And then it makes note of who is there. It's Mary, his mother, and then Mary's cousin. 
And then also Mary Magdalene. And then we find out that John, the only disciple, is standing there. And as I'm reading that, immediately the Lord spoke to me. He says, the numbers haven't changed much. I didn't know why God was, 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 was talking to me about John chapter 19 until I reached the moment where I realized that there were three women and one man standing when hope, the hope of the world was dying. And God says, yeah, the numbers haven't changed much, but I'm about to change the numbers. I'm about to change the numbers if the church will pray. And we as a staff just, just fall to our knees. I'm, not, I'm Literally, my heart is breaking for the men of this church. And say, God, would you awaken the hearts of our men to pray and to seek you, to have an encounter with you, so that when the pressure is on and it feels like hope is dying to the word, the world, that they will stand that they will stand, that they won't run, but they will stand and find the strength to stand. And I, I say to you, men of Calvary, it's time to take your place. It's time to stand. But I didn't hear that from a podcast. I heard it from my dad. I heard it in the place of intimacy. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, says this uh, about sons and daughters and this relationship. Says, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That there is something that comes out of the intimacy that you have with God in prayer. This real relationship. And it begins to guide you. It guides every step. I remember one, one day I was, I was, I was uh, at a gas station in, in Georgia right next to a, the, the, the state line. I'm up at camp and I'm filling up a van because we're going to be traveling the next day. And as I'm gassing it up, I literally feel the Lord say, I want you to walk across the street. And I, so I walk across the street and I arrive at the corner. And at the corner, it, it's where Georgia and Tennessee meet. And right just steps away is the North Carolina border. All three states converge right at this one three-way stop. And right on the corner, it says the pearly gates which is the name of a restaurant. Now, we had, we had encountered some challenges that week, as you always do when you're hurting children and uh, young people. And, uh, you know, we're always coming up against some different things. And, you know, you get a flat or you, you, you have to overcome some things. And one of our uh, leaders, they kind of arrived a little bit late and they were going to be staying in a hotel. They go down to the hotel and their room's not clean. They call the lady who is supposed to come and clean it, but because it's late, she has no one to watch her kids. So she brings her three, three kids with her to clean this, this hotel room. Well, um, uh, you know, and, and of course, one of our leaders loves kids, and they're just like, oh, I'll, I'll watch your kids. Well, then the estranged hus husband drives up and sees his three kids with a stranger. You can imagine what unfolded right before 
his eyes. This is the beginning of the week. What a great way to start camp. I'm trying to keep a husband and wife from breaking into a fist fight, and that's what they did. They were really trying. They really got in the way. These leaders are getting in the way, and they're like, no, 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 no. Listen, we're believers. We, we would just, we're just simply doing this, and we want you to calm down, and we don't want you to be angry with your wife, and she's just trying to help, and, and she's trying. And literally, they, they left. He left in just so angry. Four days later, I walk across, and I go to that restaurant called the Pearly Gates, and I knock on the door, and I, I see this sign that says, Live Music played here. And I get this thought. I'm like, we need to come and worship right on the corner of three states. Bring all the teenagers, all the music, and proclaim Jesus to everybody who's traveling past this corner because they got to stop right here. And I'm like, I wonder if they'll go for it. I said, so it's one way we'll get our worship band will play at the pearly gates. <laughs> uh, I go in, meet the guy, uh, behind the counter, uh, he's like, oh, I would love that. I'm like, yeah, and plus all these kids, we're going to funnel them in. They're going to buy all your ice cream and, you know, French fries and whatever else they're going to eat. When we, uh, when we came, we sat up that night, we began to worship. The manager walked out, and our leaders who had had that encounter early in the week recognized him as the estranged husband. He comes out. He sees them. That leader calls that man by name. He looks at him and he goes over to him and this husband begins to weep and say, my marriage is broken. Please pray for me that God, would God heal my marriage? Can I, can I just say something? I don't know if we hear God to leave a gas pump if we haven't been intimate with God in the secret place. I think we're all supposed to have these kinds of moments where God leads us and guides us and directs us. We're certainly called to do things that are way bigger than us. And our confidence will grow from intimacy with the Father. And as a community and as a church, we are going to answer God's call to a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle this week. Amen. This week. Every night at 6, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. And some of you are going to start building on a firm foundation like never before. I believe that as we seek the face of God, we'll be empowered to do what God has called us to do. Let's pray. I'm going to ask our altar team.